This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1. This is The Evolution of Intimacy with Ella Shannon. A show about sex, relationships and everything in between. You can start to feel bliss while you're vacuuming. I don't know if I've tried that or not. Do I want to try it? What is it? Very complex, very interesting. Flogging, whipping, caning. So there I was in my high heels and my little dress. So it is purely a stigma. Healthy sexual expression with other humans. I went to the local women's health centre and went, I think I'm a lesbian, is there a support group? They don't know quite how to talk about it. It's actually a core skill in relationships. That has always worked for me. Welcome to Evolution of Intimacy, Cherie. We're so lucky to have you on sharing a little bit of your story. Cherie's been willing today to talk a little bit about sexual relationships in the context of long-term illness. Cherie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that you invited me. (laughs) So do you want to share a little bit of your story and, and what's brought you to be able to talk about this? Yeah, sure. Well, when I was younger, I um, I got a disease and my kidneys failed. And when I was 27, I had to go on dialysis. Wow. And um, it was, uh, I suppose, the body image issue instantly comes to mind, um, that I had body issues around the, the type of dialysis that I chose to do and how that would change my body and my relationship. Mm. Did you have a partner at the time when that you got that diagnosis? I did. I was actually married oh. and um, my husband was a bit younger than me and I think that that also added to my own feelings of inadequacy and it just made me insecure within myself as it would anyway without even having issues with my health. I needed to have a tube inserted into my stomach and that would remain like hanging out of my stomach for as long as I needed dialysis. So it felt like I was changing things and there was no end date as to when that would be removed from my body. So it was a difficult time and I have to say that uh, I haven't really thought about this time in my life for a long time and just the thought of chatting about it to you it kind of gave me a little bit of anxiety and some emotion around that because obviously, you know, that affected my relationship. Yeah, it would have been so confronting at that sort of young, you're a young woman and to have your body change or have something might have felt a bit in the way, I could imagine, when you went to be sexually intimate or would have been very confronting. Yeah, it totally was. And I probably had more of an issue around it than my husband did. But it was just one of those things that I just had to deal with. And we had a, a healthy sexual relationship. It was all just me and in my own head. And part of having kidney disease is that it affects your adrenal glands, which meant that I started having um, panic attacks as well um, because your body just releases all this adrenaline. And so over time... I suppose I used that to my advantage by um, needing to get rid of that adrenaline and a lot of the time it would happen at night, like while we're in bed asleep, 
I would wake up out of this panic attack. And so I started to utilize sex as a way to get that adrenaline out. And at the same time, it was helping reconnect with my husband physically. And even though there was kind of like an ulterior motive behind it, it really did help. Yeah, one of the great things about sex is that it is a it does reduce that stress and release that extra energy. So it's exactly. lovely that yeah, even though you weren't feeling good in yourself, you were able to go towards your husband, you know, in that way. Yeah, and almost almost use him in some respect. <laughs> you know, it's like get over here, help me here. Um, but it it helped because the rest of the time when I was feeling poorly. I would, the last thing that would be on my mind. So it was almost as though the, the anxiety and the panic, attack, panic attacks that came with uh, kidney disease and kidney failure and dialysis, it was a, a blessing in disguise that I was able to utilise that excess adrenaline and make sure that I was reconnecting with my partner and letting him know that I was still very much attracted to him and was more about my energy levels than anything. Wow, what a thing to go through, though, at a young age. And, you know, I think what you said there, of when you're unwell and not feeling good, sex just isn't a priority. It's the last thing that you feel like doing if you're feeling sick or sorry for yourself. So I think many people could relate to the difficulty with all sorts of different illnesses or um, diseases where that becomes not high on the list of priorities and the effect that that can have on relationships. Absolutely. And I think too that for me, I also discovered that because of the disease that I had, I wasn't able to have children. And, you know, going through that, that headspace and that processing and also at that age, it's all about pheromones and that attraction that's kind of happening in the background. And that all disappeared as well for me. And I think that that affected me so much and all at the same time. So I still look at the, the anxiety and the panic attacks as a godsend really because otherwise there would be no part of me that would have ever instigated sex. Yeah. And prior to that, I I was very sexual and, you know, I would use it for stress release and I would use it when I felt good and when I felt bad and pretty much for any excuse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be always happening. And so um, going from that to, I suppose, I, I'm getting emotional, but yeah. I, I don't mind expressing this, um, you know, just having that part of you taken away mm. at a time in your life where you kind of planned to have a family and move on and having to reassess and reevaluate all that, of course that's going to affect your relationship and your relationship with yourself and the feeling around yourself and and the feeling of being a woman just really changed everything. This is the evolution of intimacy. And my guest, Cherie, is sharing her personal story of sex and long-term illness. There's a way you thought you were, and then it's, well, who am I now? It's a very yeah. big, big question. It sounds like it was really difficult. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it was kind of ongoing. And the even though my husband said that it didn't bother him, that I was unable to have children, in the end, that was the, the deciding factor for our relationship. And, 
and he went on to remarry and have kids and he's got beautiful kids and I don't begrudge him that at all. But, you know, it, it really did change everything. And then after we broke up, I suppose I had that reluctance feeling like I was, for want of a better word, barren, Mm. (laughs) a very old-fashioned word, but just feeling like, well, what as a a woman, what do I have to offer here? Because our society kind of has this expectation that women, especially back then, because we're talking about late 80s, early 90s, you know, that's just what everyone did. I think in this day and age now, it's more of an accepted thing and a normal thing that women don't go on to have children and they make that decision. But for me, all my friends around me were doing that and they were having kids and it was like all a bed of roses for them. So re-evaluating myself as a woman and where I sat sexually was a real process for me and something that I suppose even today still affects me in some ways. Yeah, absolutely, because while these days it is a choice for many people to have kids or to not have kids, for many people they don't have the the luxury of that choice in in your situation. It sounds like you wanted that and how awful that, you know, it meant the end of your relationship. I know that now you probably look back and go, oh, well, that's, you know, good that it it didn't go down that path. But at the time, gosh, what a difficult thing to come to that, you know, you needed to separate for that reason. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I suppose the thing that I look at now, I'm 53 now and I look at the people around me who all did have kids and I can just and have always been able to just get up and go and travel and do all the things that I feel like I want to do when I've been able to afford it because I've worked my whole life. And I suppose I look at that as my pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I did miss out on having children and a family of my own, but I helped raise my nieces and um, I have very close relationships with them and I feel like I got the better end of the deal. Yeah, that. absolutely. <laughs> no late nights, just all the cuteness and the, yeah, the fun outings. The fun yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm the fun auntie, you know, everyone knows me as the fun auntie. I suppose with my family, um, my sisters, I've been able to help with their kids. They've given their kids everything that they needed, but I've been able to give that extra what they wanted and just kind of be able to have some sort of input in that regard and that's been awesome. You are listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with me, Alice Shannon, a show about sex, relationships and everything in between. Most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex. They are curious. Hang on a sec. I'm a woman. Like, I have needs now. Whole new level of sensation and pleasure. I looked at my yoni before and after and mm. I was like, oh my God. You may experience a range of emotions. What we associate as being related to one gender or another, it changes all the time. Pleasure is our birthright. You're on these massive doses of steroids. I look like Bert Newton. I wouldn't have been <laughs> attracted to myself. <laughs> So they were just so happy to know that A, they weren't alone, and B, that this was like a legitimate thing. And that actually sounds really lovely and erotic, really pleasurable. It's a secret. Mind-blowing. You talk about it 
as I had this illness. So do you feel comfortable to share a bit about your recovery and how that changed in then ongoing relationships? It sounds like at some point that tube in the belly was removed. Do you want to share a bit more about how things played out? Yeah, sure. So I actually was on dialysis is normally something that goes for they say the average is three years but mine I was on dialysis for almost 11 years before yeah before I got my first transplant and in that 11 years like I worked and and I had other relationships and I needed to find out where where I sat in a relationship and did I even want one and how was my sex life going to look in those relationships because I still had the tube you know the bottom line is people really just don't care if they're into you they're into you and it's so nice to remember isn't it yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, it was like it's just an extra piece that was my lifeline really and that's what was keeping me alive and I did learn to love it in the end Mm. um When I got my first transplant, that was obviously another huge thing. Just recovering from that took two years. And so I was actually single in that time. And I'm glad that I was because it's a real, like your body goes through changes. You're on these massive doses of steroids. I looked like Bert Newton. I wouldn't have been attracted to myself. (laughs) Oh, gosh. you just you're really just surviving at that point and it's day to day and you don't feel good and the last thing really I kind of felt like I wasn't female I was just a, a being and I was staying alive and I was getting through it and it wasn't until maybe two years after my transplant coming out the other end where I started to lose weight again and I started feeling good about myself and going well hang on a sec I'm a woman. Like, I have needs now. <laughs> Beautiful. That must yeah. have been such a lovely symbol of your recovery and starting to, yeah, feel like Absolutely. a new you. Oh. Yeah. And being able to travel again and, you know, meet new people. I did remarry and while I was with my husband, my kidney transplants had started to fail. So we decided to travel and, and do my bucket list and we did that. We travelled Australia and, and he was... He was so into me. Like, he just made me feel it didn't matter if I got big on the steroids or, or small. He was just, it, it was all about me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, gosh. <laughs> and, yeah, it was just, it was the best relationship and it was awesome. And I really felt like I got to the end of all that illness and here is my, here is my prize. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Because yeah, that sounds terrifying to think, you know, my life is, you know, all of our life is infinite, but that, you know, I might have, you know, quite a soon um, death that that's impending, but also like kind of highly romantic if like, okay, let's just go off and really celebrate yeah. this. Like so charged about that. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow. And it was, yeah. it was because people, I suppose, get complacent. Yes. They, they just get complacent. And if you know that, chances are things aren't going to go the way that you thought they would and you don't have that time, then all of a sudden you start doing all the things that you wanted to do and all the things that you know that if you're going to be laying on your deathbed, you don't want any regrets. Mm. So we did all of those things and then we got a house fit that 
went on and on and on on a property and it lasted three years and at the end of the three years I knew that this this is it like my kidney's on its way out I don't want to go back on dialysis my husband was distraught about that decision Mm. and the owner of the house bit who lived in Dubai flew back from Dubai and had the test done and was a match and saved my life and Gave me a kidney. Whoa! I know. Incredible. <laughs> Gosh. So I had know. you had you started to feel really sick, and then you sort of knew that there wasn't much, or yeah, I, I was deteriorating, and um, and you know, I just w- wasn't feeling the best at all, and I had kind of resigned myself to the fact that I was going to to die. And I told my husband all these rules. He had to spend a year taking care of himself and not get into another relationship for a year, you know, just allow himself to grieve and then go on and, you know, meet someone amazing but not more amazing than me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And in that time, um, our relationship was just so beautiful because there was no barriers, there was no... It was just us and we were raw and our hearts were right there. And when, when I got that transplant, it was just like, wow, we really we really have a life now, mm. like this is real and we have a future together. And I remember, I'll get emotional telling yeah. you this, but just after my transplant, I remember we went down, my husband and I went down to the other ward where the guy was who gave me the, the kidney and I just have this snapshot in my brain of my husband hugging him mm. and just openly crying and just this moment of amazing connection and it was just so beautiful. It didn't take me long to recover from that transplant because I was because it was a live donor and that makes a difference. So we had this amazing six-month period after the transplant where my husband just looked after me and we were just so connected. This is the evolution of intimacy. We're with Cherie as she continues to share her incredible story of long-term illness and relationships. Just a word of warning, you might want to grab a tissue at this point as her tale is extremely moving. He was actually killed in a car accident six months after my transplant. So, (laughs) What a a mind-blowing chain of events, Sheree. You know, you never would have known that he was the one that was going to pass, but you lived that life and you did all those, that acceptance. I'm tearing up just thinking about the serendipity there. That's just incredible. It really is. And I couldn't just, I, I was so connected to my husband, just so connected spiritually and physically and everything about him, we were just so connected. When he died... It was almost like this feeling of, I had a look at all the photos that we took while we travelled Australia. They're all of him, you know, doing these things that he would never have done otherwise. Mm, wow. And and it was just like, well, that wasn't my bucket list. That was his. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, gosh. And, you know, losing, losing a person that you think is the love of your life, mm. what that does to you, not just emotionally but physically, it feels like, You'll never feel that again. We talk about our sex lives, but when it's with someone who you're connected with like that, the sex, you couldn't even call it a sex life. It's just part of that soul connection and that absolute awesomeness that you've you've had with that person. Yeah. 
on every level. Absolutely. I think at the start of our talk, you were saying the reasons for having sex of stress or energy or good mood or whatever it is. But I think what you're really touching on is that really deeper spiritual connection and expression of love, a way to really be with the person that you care about deeply in a very, very intimate way. You can still have aggressive sex with that person. That's just a, a physical thing. But you've got this whole other level. And I suppose I never really thought about lovemaking being separate to sex when I was younger. But when you have that connection with someone, your sex life is so many different emotions expressed in the way that you have sex. Yes. Or make love. I think that's such a good point because we think lovemaking, that means it's just that sort of more romantic. But there's so many different flavours of sexual intimacy can be loving it doesn't have to be but one doesn't exclude the other and it doesn't have to be sex for it to be intimacy and I think some people lose that me having times of illness with him we still had intimacy even when I wasn't able to have sex I think there's something about that that's so special when you have that feeling the next day of having connected with your partner but it didn't necessarily involve physical sex yeah I think we get very stuck on you know especially in heterosexual relationships sex is penis and vagina and everything else is foreplay or something which is really it's a pity that we focus so much on that when there's such a repertoire or buffet of different experiences that can create that sexual intimacy Totally, even holding hands. They're the things that are just so special. And, you know, when I think back to my husband, I don't think of wild sex times that we had. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of the intimate times where we sat together and watched the sunrise, Mm -hmm. you know, when we got married and we danced together and there was like this moment, it was just us in the world, in the universe. Like they're the feelings and yeah. they're the, the things that, that really sit with me. Oh, that's so gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. It's so beautiful to remember. Cherie, what an incredibly powerful story. I feel so honoured that you've been willing to yeah, open up and share it with us today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's been extremely cathartic, believe me. Oh, good. (laughs) I'll go and have a good cry now. (laughs) Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for your generosity of, yeah, sharing so that other people can really, yeah, learn and, yeah, learn from you. Thanks again. Thank you, Ellen. You've been listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with Ella Shannon. We're feeling juicy the whole day. Every desire I could possibly think of. What sort of impact would it have? They want it, they're going to go and get it. They don't think of long-term consequences. Oh, did that feel really nice? Oh, yes, that felt really delicious. Being able to feel good about my body again, that's been a huge thing. All anybody really wants in this world is to feel seen and heard. We actually do have a lot that connects us physically. It's making people feel good. There is a real sense of hopefulness that returns in the relationship. A really beautiful thing. Take that beauty and that calmness and that bliss and that sense of peace out into the world.
Thank you for listening and I hope we've inspired you with our juicy conversations on this episode of The Evolution of Intimacy. If you would like to go deeper, you can book a session of relationship counselling, sex therapy or individual counselling via my website. I work in person in Cairns, tropical far north Queensland, or I can meet you online anywhere in the world. Or you might prefer to go at your own pace with my 12-lesson relationship and intimacy online course. To book or to listen to previous episodes, visit my website, ellashannon.com, or follow me on the socials at Evolution of Intimacy. Finally, please go to iTunes and write me a quick review if you're feeling kind. Thank you, lovelies, and see you next time. This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1.